epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire from the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times a light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light In today's A Light on Literature, we continue by presenting the book Two Years in the Forbidden City by Princess De Lin. Today, Manling narrates the last part of the 13th chapter titled The Empress Portrait. The Empress Dowager Cixi encounters the art of Western oil paintings and the modern technology of photography. The subject brings great joy to her otherwise monotonous life. Enjoy! This palace of Prince Chan's was a magnificent place. All the smaller dwellings were quite separate from each other, not in one large building as was the custom. There was a small lake in the grounds and lovely little path to walk along, exactly like the Empress Dowager's summer palace, but of course on a much smaller scale. We selected one of these small dwellings or summer houses for the use of Miss Carl during her stay and had it fitted up nicely to make her as comfortable as possible. We ourselves were to occupy the next house to Miss Carl in order that we might always be on hand and at the same time keep a good eye on her. We returned to the summer palace the same evening and told Her Majesty just how everything had been arranged. She said, I want you all to be very careful not to let this lady know that you are watching her. She seemed very anxious about this, repeating these instructions for several days prior to Miss Carl's arrival. I felt very much relieved when the day before the audience arrived and everything was finally fixed to Her Majesty's satisfaction. She ordered us to retire early that evening as she wanted to rest and look well the next morning. When morning came, we hurried over everything, even the usual morning audience, so that we could be ready when Miss Carl arrived. While I was standing behind the screen as usual, a eunuch came and told me that Mrs. Conger, the artist and another lady, had arrived and that they were now in the waiting room. By that time, the audience was about finished. The chief eunuch came in and told Her Majesty that the foreign ladies had arrived and were waiting in another room. Her Majesty said to us, I think I will go to the courtyard and meet them there. Of course, at all private audiences, Her Majesty received the people in the throne room, but as Miss Carl was more of a guest, she did not think it necessary to go through the usual formal reception. While we were descending the steps, we saw the ladies entering the gate of the courtyard. I pointed out Miss Carl to Her Majesty and noticed that she eyed Miss Carl very keenly. When we arrived in the courtyard, Mrs. Conger came forward and greeted Her Majesty and then presented Miss Carl. Her Majesty's first impression of Miss Carl was a good one. As Miss Carl was smiling very pleasantly, 
and Her Majesty, who always liked to see a pleasant smile, exclaimed to me in an undertone, she seemed to be a very pleasant person. To which I replied that I was very glad she thought so, as I was very anxious about the impression Miss Carl would make on Her Majesty. Her Majesty watched Miss Carl and myself as we greeted each other, and I could see that she was satisfied. She told me afterwards that she had noticed Miss Carl appeared very glad to see me again and said, We will handle her pretty easily, I think. Her Majesty then went to her own private palace, and we all followed. On our arrival, Miss Carl told me that she had brought her own canvas. This was a piece about six feet by four feet. I had told Miss Cow a little previously that Her Majesty refused to sit for a very small portrait and that she would like a life-size one. When Her Majesty saw the canvas, she appeared to be very much disappointed, as in her opinion, even that was not large enough. We placed the tables ready for Miss Cow, and Her Majesty asked her to choose the position in which she wished to paint. I knew that Miss Cow would have great difficulty in choosing a good position on account of the windows being built so low, there being very little light except low down near the ground. However, Miss Cow finally placed the canvas near the door of the room. Her Majesty told Mrs. Conger and the rest to sit down for a while as she wanted to change into another gown. I followed her into her bedroom. The first question Her Majesty asked was how old I thought Miss Carl was, as she herself could not guess her age, her hair being extremely light, in fact almost white. I could hardly refrain from laughing outright on hearing this and told Her Majesty that Miss Carl's hair was naturally of a light color. Her Majesty said that she had often seen ladies with golden hair, but never one with white hair, excepting old ladies. She said, I think she's very nice, however, and um, hope she will paint a good portrait. Turning to one of the court ladies, she ordered her to fetch a yellow gown, as though, as she put it, she did not like yellow. She thought it would be the best color for a portrait. She selected one from a number which the court lady brought, embroidered all over with purple wisteria. Her shoes and handkerchiefs matched. She also wore a blue silk scarf, embroidered with a character show, Long Life. Each character had a pearl in the center. She wore a pair of jade bracelets and also jade nail protectors. In addition, she wore jade butterflies and a tassel on one side of her headdress, and as usual, fresh flowers on the other side. Her Majesty certainly did look beautiful on that occasion. By the time she came out from her room, Miss Carl had everything prepared. When she saw how Her Majesty was dressed, she exclaimed, How beautiful Her Majesty looks in this dress! which remark I interpreted to Her Majesty, and it pleased her very much. She seated herself on her throne, ready to pose for the picture. She just sat down in an ordinary, easy position, placing one hand on a cushion, Miss Carl explained. 
that is an excellent position, as it is so natural. Please do not move. I told Her Majesty what Miss Carroll said, and she asked me whether she looked all right or not. If not, she would change her position. I assured her that she looked very grand in that position. However, she asked the opinion of the young empress and some of the court ladies, who all agreed that she could not look better. I could see that they never looked at Her Majesty at all. They were too much interested in what Miss Carl was doing. When Miss Carl commenced to make the rough sketch of Her Majesty, everyone watched with open mouth, as they had never seen anything done so easily and so naturally. The young empress whispered to me, "Although I don't know anything about portrait painting, still I can see that she's a good artist. She has never seen any of our clothes and headdresses, and she had copied them exactly. Just imagine one of our Chinese artists trying to paint a foreign lady. What a mess he would make of it!" After the sketch was finished, Her Majesty was delighted and thought it was wonderful for Miss Carl to have made it so quickly and so accurately. I explained that this was a rough sketch, and that when Miss Carl commenced the painting, she would soon see the difference. Her Majesty told me to ask Miss Carl whether she was tired and would like to rest. Also, to tell her that she was very busy all the day, and would only be able to give her a few minutes sitting each day. We then took Miss Carl to lunching together with Mrs. Conger, and after lunching, we accompanied Her Majesty to the theater. After Mrs. Conger had departed, I took Miss Carl to my room to rest. As soon as we arrived there, Her Majesty sent a eunuch to call me to her bedroom. Her Majesty said, "I don't want this lady to paint during my afternoon rest. She can rest at the same time. As soon as I'm up, you can bring her here to paint. I am glad that it looks like um turning out better than I had anticipated." I therefore told Miss Carl Her Majesty's wishes in this respect, and that she could paint for a little while if she chose to. After Her Majesty had had her rest, Miss Carl was so interested in Her Majesty. She told me she didn't want to rest at all, but that she would like to go on with the painting right away. Of course, I did not like to tell her anything the first day, as it might upset her, and did not say that this was a command from Her Majesty. After a lot of maneuvering. I got her to give up the idea of continuing straight off, without offending her. Ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn/podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people. I took her out on the veranda as the eunuch was preparing the table for Her Majesty's dinner in the room we were then occupying. The young empress kept Miss Carl busy talking. I acting as interpreter. 
Soon, one of the eunuchs came and informed us that Her Majesty had finished the dinner, and would we please come and take ours. On entering the room, I was very much surprised to see that chairs had been placed there, as this had never been done previously. Everybody, with the exception of Her Majesty, taking their meals standing. The young empress was also very much surprised and asked me whether I knew anything about it. I said that perhaps it was on account of Miss Carl being there. The young empress told me to go over and ask Her Majesty, as she was afraid to sit down without receiving orders to do so. Her Majesty whispered to me, I don't want Miss Carl to think we are barbarians and treat the young empress and the court ladies in that manner. Of course, she does not understand our court etiquette and might form a wrong impression. So you can all sit down without coming over to thank me. But be natural, as though you are accustomed to sitting down to dinner every day. After Her Majesty had washed her hands, she came over to our table. Of course, we all stood up. Her Majesty told me to ask Miss Carl whether she liked the food, and was pleased when Miss Carl answered that she liked the food better than her own kind. That relieved Her Majesty. After dinner was over, I told Miss Carl to say goodbye to Her Majesty. We courtesied to her, also to the young empress, and said goodnight to the court ladies. We then took Miss Carl to the palace of Prince Chun. It took us about ten minutes' ride in the carts. We showed Miss Carl her bedroom, and were pleased to leave her and get to our own rooms for a good night's rest. The next morning, we took Miss Carl to the palace and arrived there during the morning audience. Of course, Miss Carl, being a foreigner, could not enter the throne room, so we sat down on the back veranda of the audience hall and waited until it was over. This, of course, prevented my being in attendance each morning as usual and was a great disappointment to me as I was unable to keep in touch with what was taking place. Moreover, during the time I had been at court, my one object had been to endeavor to interest Her Majesty in Western customs and civilization. I believed that to a great extent, Her Majesty was becoming interested in these things and would refer the subjects of our conversations to her ministers for their opinions. For instance, I had shown her photographs taken of a naval review at which I was present in France. Her Majesty seemed to be impressed and said that she would certainly like to be able to make a similar display in China. This matter she consulted with her ministers, but they gave the usual evasive answer. There's plenty of time for that. From this, you will see that Her Majesty was not able to introduce reforms entirely alone, even though she might desire to do so, but had to consult the ministers, who would always agree with Her Majesty, but would suggest that the matter be put off for a time. My experience while at the palace was that everybody seemed to be afraid to suggest anything new for fear they might get themselves into trouble. When Her Majesty came out from the audience hall, Miss Carl went up to her and kissed Her Majesty's hand, which caused her great surprise. 
although she did not show it at the time. Afterwards, however, when we were alone, she asked me why Miss Carl had done this, as it was not a Chinese custom. She naturally thought that it must be a foreign custom and therefore said nothing about it. Her Majesty then proceeded on foot to her own palace to change her dress for the portrait. It was a beautiful morning, and when she had posed for about ten minutes, she told me that she felt too tired to proceed and asked if it would be all right to ask Miss Carl to postpone it. I explained that as Miss Carl was going to be at the palace for some time, the postponement of one day's sitting would not make much difference at that time, although I knew that Miss Carl would naturally be disappointed. Still, I had to humor Her Majesty as much as possible, otherwise she might have thrown up the whole thing. Miss Carr said that if Her Majesty wished to go to rest, she could be working painting the screen and the throne, and Her Majesty could pose again later on if she felt like it. This pleased Her Majesty, and she said that she would try to sit again after taking her afternoon's rest. Her Majesty ordered me to give Miss Carl her lunch in my own room at 12 o'clock each day, my mother, my sister, and myself keeping her company. Dinner at the palace was usually taken about six o'clock, and it was arranged that Miss Crow should take dinner with the young empress and the court ladies at that hour after Her Majesty had finished dining. Her Majesty also ordered that champagne or any other wine which Miss Carl preferred should be served, as she said she knew it was the custom for all foreign ladies to take wine with their meals. Where she got hold of this idea, nobody knew. I was sure that Her Majesty had been misinformed by somebody, but it would have been bad policy to have tried to tell her different at the moment. She disliked very much to be told that she was wrong in any of these things, and it could only be done by waiting and casually introducing the subject at some other time. After Miss Carl had gone to rest during the afternoon, Her Majesty sent for me and asked the usual question, viz, what had Miss Carl been saying, etc., etc. She seemed particularly anxious to know what Miss Carl thought of her, and when I told her that Miss Carl had said that she was very beautiful and quite young-looking, she said, well, of course, Miss Carl would say that to you. However, on my assuring her that Miss Cowell had given this opinion without being asked for it, she showed very plainly that she was not at all displeased with the compliment. Suddenly, Her Majesty said, I have been thinking that if Miss Cowell can paint the screen and the throne, surely she ought to be able to paint my clothes and jewels without it being necessary for me to pose all the time. I told her that would be quite impossible as nobody could hold the things for Miss Cow to get the proper effect. To my surprise, she answered, Well, that is easily gotten over. You wear them in my place. I hardly knew what to say, but thought I would get out of the difficulty by telling her that perhaps Miss Cow would not like such an arrangement. Her Majesty, however, could see no possible objection on Miss Carr's part, as she herself could pose when the time came for painting her face. So I put the matter as nicely as possible to Miss Carr, and it was finally arranged. 
that I should dress in Her Majesty's robes and jewels whenever Her Majesty felt too tired to do the posing herself. In this manner, the portrait of the Empress Dowager was painted, and with the exception of just a few hours to enable Miss Carl to get Her Majesty's facial expression, I had to sit for two hours each morning and for another two hours each afternoon until the portrait was finished. And that was from the 13th chapter of Two Years in the Forbidden City, written by Princess Sterling and narrated by Man Ling. Join us next time on A Light on Literature for the 14th chapter, entitled The Empress' Birthday.
wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn slash podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people.